Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. not have things at the expense of righteousness. We will not have things at the expense of the most important things in our life. If you ask a lot of people, why are they not in the service? It's because they are looking for things. That's why they don't have time to hear the word of God. If you ask a lot of people, why are you not serving God? They are uncomfortable with true service and ownership of things. You know, I I was telling someone the other day, I said, Christianity saves you from a lot of things. You might not know, but it saves you from a lot of things. Sometimes, all you have to do is to look at the life of an unbeliever, and you'll be amazed at what God had saved you from. And if at this stage of your life, you're still envious of an unbeliever, then you need to study the word of God again. You know, it happened to David. David says, I was envious of the prosperity of the wicked until I saw their end. It's, ama- it's amazing how true children of God are moved by material things. It's amazing. It's amazing. How we can throw away the word of God. We can throw away righteous standards. We can throw away truths from our lips. Just because we want to have some more money. Just because we want to have something. How do you look at yourself when you... When you look at yourself in the mirror and found out that you are not a man of integrity, how do you look at yourself? You look at the mirror and discover that you cannot say of a truth, I have integrity or I tell the truth. If nothing touches your heart, it means that your conscience is snared. Are you still here? Are you still here? We're talking about godly success. And I'll tell you this. God will increase you much more than you will ever try to increase yourself. If you follow God's word. But you know, what happened to us is we were told to come to church for these things. You know, so people met us. Are you going through problem? Yes. Ah, come to my church. The God of my commission will solve your problem. Uh, you, you, you can't pay your rent. Oh, come to my church. Come to my church. Oh, you can't do this. Oh, come to my church. You know what happened? All our problems drove us to church. Not our need for a savior. And so, we're not interested in the message. We're not interested in learning the word of God. We're not interested in understanding God. All we're just interested in is, God give me a good job. God give me a good house. God give me a good whatever. I told them in Finima Church yesterday, you just saw the guy that they caught for kidnapping. You, you've seen that massive structure. I wonder how many believers would have pointed to that and said, God, I claim this by faith. I wonder how many would have seen the man and said, my brother, when is your turn? You will be like this man. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. That's how I'm sorry to use this word, but that's how depraved we have become, even in our worship of God. 
We always associate our worship of God with things. I don't know how many people would have prayed, Oh God, if you can just make me like this man. Right now, God should answer their prayers. Come to a place in your life where you're not moved by things. Whether the abundance of them or the lack of them. You know, most times, let's, let's go to Philippians. Let me start from there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, most times we make that scripture, we quote that scripture a lot. And I've told you here always, quote scripture in context. Go to Philippians chapter 4. I want to read verse, um, let's, let's do verse 13 now. Philippians chapter 4. And like I'm saying, I'm not saying that God is not going to give us these things. He said the Gentiles run after them. You know what Philippians 4.13 says? I can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Right? We quote that. Come on now, talk to me. Is that what the Bible says? I can do all things through Christ that strengthens us? Yeah. Why do we quote that? When we want to do anything. You know? Right? You know like, hey, can you do this job? Oh, I can do everything through Christ that strengthens me. That's not what Paul was talking about. Let me explain something about the Bible to you. You cannot make the Bible say what it was not originally meant to say. Are you following this? <laughs> you know, what happened to us as, as believers? Let me, let me tell you what happened to Christianity. We left biblical interpretation. We started saying Rema, Rema. You know, you, you, you know that season. Somebody will just read one verse of scripture and say, Oh, I caught a Rema from this verse. And they will leave every other verse of scripture and stay on that one verse. And you hear them say, The Holy Spirit told me. No accurate Bible teacher says God says. You will never hear them say that. You know what an accurate Bible teacher will do? He will use the scriptures to interpret scriptures. I mean, God can speak to them. God can give them a revelation. But it has to be interpreted. The Bible was designed to be explained. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, are you following what I'm saying? Okay, so let's explain this verse. Now, you cannot understand this verse. Remember, we're talking about godly success. You cannot understand verse 13 except you read verse 12. You cannot understand verse 12 except you read verse 11. You cannot understand verse 11 except you read verse 10. So let's start from verse 10. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. Let's read that now. Let's use the King James Version and then we'll go to the Amplified. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care but you lacked opportunity. So Paul was talking about the offerings that they brought in verse 8. Okay? Verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. Who are we talking about here? The almighty apostle Paul. The one who Jesus appeared to. He says, I've learned. That means, if he says, I have learned to be content, it means he wasn't born with contentment. Come on now. It means he wasn't born with it. He had to learn it. Okay. Go 
to verse 12. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. So he speaks of two extremities. To abase, not to have. And then I know how to have. You got to read on. It says, Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. Uh, uh, those of you who follow me on Twitter, I posted something this morning. I said, character is not an app that can be downloaded. You have to build it. So Paul had to learn. Remember, Paul we're talking about was one of the best trained lawyers in Rome. Until God called him. He wasn't a poor guy. This was a guy who was going to take letters from the headquarters to kill people. He wasn't a small man. It's like somebody who had the authority to kill people and go free. He wasn't a small boy. So coming into the gospel, having to travel in shipwreck, having to not have believers support him, he had to learn how to be content. Now we are in verse 12. That is the reason for verse 13. What is the reason for verse 13? Verse 12. Verse 13 says what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What is the all things here? What is he talking about? Knowing how to abase and knowing how to abound. So next time when you say, I can do all things through Christ that's strengthening me. What you should say is, hey, come on. When the thing is not there, I know how to maintain my joy. And when it's there, I know how to maintain my humility. Because some of us know how to abase. We don't know how to abound. When we have little money, then everybody else is unimportant. Let's read it from the Amplified Version. Verse 12. Look at this. I know. Let's read from verse 11. Amplified. Not that I'm implying that I was in personal want. For I have learned how to be content. Satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. I'm not disturbed. I'm not disquieted. Hallelujah. I'm not. It's something you have to learn. The presence of anxiety is the absence of faith. If you are anxious, you are not in faith. You cannot have both at the same time. And that's why in my life personally, I'm never in a hurry. I'm never in a hurry. Now, I'm never in a hurry for anything. Because you know what? If you're in a hurry to achieve things, you will always get into anxiety. Never let the enemy always make you look at the watch. How old I am. Oh, this year will soon end. What's my problem? You have a problem that this year will end because you're always celebrating years. Colossians, you are always brought under the bondage of new year, new moon, new birthday, new uh, anniversary. You're always counting things. I mean, nothing against it. One of the ways I raise my children is not to be brought into bondage of these. For instance, my son has his birthday is a particular day. I'll tell him, hey, come on, guy. You know what? Two days before this time, we're going to just buy cake and eat. And that's your birthday. I want to free him from that tension. 
You know, some of you, when your children's birthday is coming, you have hypertension. Oh, they start threatening you from the beginning of the month. This is my month. This is my month. This is my month. This is my... I train them right from when they are small. Not to come under that bondage. Oh, it's New Year. It's Christmas. You know how many marriages December 25th have caught crisis on? Some, some homes are peaceful until December 23rd. And yet, we are celebrating the birth of Jesus. And all, the only thing the birth of Jesus can cause in our house is crisis. What? No Christmas clothes. I, I, I do everything deliberately to win my family of this. What that means is I can choose that tomorrow is our Christmas day. And that means that when December 25th comes and we have to eat a bath, we don't feel like God is bad to us. You know what? Because listen, people sat down and decided that December 25th should be Christmas. If you're a Bible student, you know Jesus was never born in December 25th. So how can people's decision put my life in anxiety? Look at it. I have learned how to be content, satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. Verse 12. Go to verse 12. I know how to be abased and live humbly in straitened circumstances. And I know also how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. I have learned in any and on all circumstance the secret of facing every situation. Look at it. Whether well fed or going hungry. Having a sufficiency and enough to spare or going without and being in want. Verse 13 now. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. That's the difference. That's what it means to say you can do all things. It means that whether I have material things or not, his sufficiency has become my sufficiency. You say, oh well pastor, you're saying this now because God had blessed you. My countenance never changed even when we didn't have some of the things that we had. You know the reason why? Christ has become our sufficiency. We now take our identity of success from who God has made us. Not what we wear, what we drink, or what we drive. You know, somehow you're amazed at how people who don't have stuff or don't have resources are trying to impress people. You see a young guy who just got out of school, his phone is very expensive. And you see somebody who has money just buying something that he can just use to make calls. What's the difference? Why are you struggling to impress people that don't even know you exist? You know how people don't know that you exist? You know how you know people don't know you exist? Let somebody just die. The first two days, people are crying. Oh, you know, people, I, I mean, I just pray that I'm not in that kind of situation. When people say, no, leave me. I want to bury me with this person. I'll leave you. They say, oh, no, don't, no, there's still hope. Leave the person. He's not serious. He doesn't mean it. They say, I'll leave him. No, by the time he jumps in and the reality dawns on him, he will say, don't worry, I don't want to die anymore. You know what? They say, oh, my husband. I will never do anything with my husband. I will never do One week down the line, they've gone to buy the best makeup 
in town. You know what they are going to say? Well, he has died. Will I also die with him? Life will continue. You have been forgotten. Once in a year, they carry flour to where you are. Eat that all. And you see the funny thing. People who are alive will still be living for people who don't exist. I don't know what they will say about me. Who are they? You don't know them. I don't know what they will think about me. Who are they? They don't exist. How do you live that way? You can never succeed in God if you're conscious of your environment. You have to learn that state of being content. You know how many ministers duplicate programs just because they feel, oh, if we do this program, then we're going to grow as a church. You know, I remember someone came to me, how I don't we do all night? I said, I, I didn't say you shouldn't do all night. The only thing is that I will not show up. The keys are here, the, the generator is here, you can come and pray. So what do you call all night? You come by 10, we sing till 12, special number T2, we pray till 3, and then we sleep by 4. So what it just means is we have prayed for 2 hours. We can save ourselves that stress and come Saturday morning and pray for 2 hours and go home and sleep where, and God will be very happy with us. Ah, but night, prayers in the night are powerful. You only live in the night. God doesn't live in the night. You know, sometimes as believers, we don't think things true. So you think by God's time now is after seven. If you, if you had a little bit of knowledge, you'll even know that there are other people in the world that are in their morning by now. So what you are calling all night here to them is all day. Like when you ask people, where is heaven? They point up. And what they're actually pointing is another country. Nigeria is pointing, is pointing North Africa. North Africa is pointing. You, we, just, we just heard these things. We never taught through them. Because why? They didn't give us room to think. Because we were not taught. We were preached at. Nobody explained anything. And that's why the whole motivation for success has become pursuit of things so you hear a believer even pray lord i want you to give me this car to show them who are them you don't know them that you are alive how can you pray that that's insulting to god that god giving you a car is a proof that he's alive no he's much more alive whether he gives you a car or not if you need a car just ask him why do you need a car? So I can drive to church. Simple. You know, sometimes we feel that if we make it very spiritual, then God will respond better. No. That's an orphan mentality. He is our father. Are you following what I'm saying? My son does some stuff on the computer. So he needed his software. Today I was going to the kitchen. He just met me. He said, oh, I would like to get this software. When, when will you buy it for me? He's not trying to, he's not saying, oh, if you buy this thing for me, then I will know, you know, buy this thing for me so that my classmates will not, will not laugh at me. You know, if he starts saying that, number one reason why I won't do it, they will laugh at you. Where do you give conditions to God when you ask him for things? He's your father. Just ask him. 
Just ask him. He says we now have boldness to come to the throne of grace. He didn't say we should storm the gates of heaven. Don't stay at the gate. Come to the throne of grace. You are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. Never see yourself as a victim. You are a child of God. Are you following what I'm saying? You are a child of God. It should reflect in everything you do. Glory to God. So, we, we, we can talk about success in fulfilling God's plan for our life. And as we constantly obey God, we see that the Bible said, listen, don't miss this. Matthew chapter 6. He says, your heavenly father knows that you need these things. Genesis 39 and verse 1. Let's, let's go on. Genesis 39 and verse 1 to... We're going to stop at verse 6. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. So you see that Joseph was sold as a slave, was sold as a commodity in the slave market. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. No, this can't be true. How can he be successful in somebody's house after he had been sold? And they say he's successful. No, 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 no. He can't be successful. He didn't own his own house. This guy has just been sold. Joseph was a slave. He was going to do Houseboy work for the rest of his life. And they said he was successful. You know why the Bible says he was successful? Come on, do you know why the Bible says he was successful? The first line. And the Lord was with Joseph. That was all Joseph needed. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. It means that when God looked at the whole of Egypt... He was not with anyone except this young slave. And God says the man is successful already. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on, are you following what I'm saying? That's how God thinks. That's how God looks at things. But you know, if Joseph was a member of our church, we would not give him the mic. Praise the Lord. I just want to share testimony. I was sold yesterday. And he bought me for 25000 But I want to thank the Lord that I'm very successful. They say you have not been following the teaching of this commission. You cannot be a slave. But you know what? You know why God called him successful? Every part of that journey was leading to the fulfillment of God's plan for his life. Every part. Why God called him successful was this is a young man who is going to listen to the word, who is going to obey the word, who is going to live out the word. And God says, hey, come on, this guy is successful already. Hallelujah. God looks at Joseph and says, in the whole of Egypt, this is one young man I can trust that will not sleep with Potiphar's wife to get to the top. The guy is successful. God doesn't talk to us about success when we get into the future. He talks to us about success every single day that we make the right choices. Let's look at this. Just pay attention here. Let's look at this. Let's, let's leave the Bible for a moment. 
what destroyed us as a nation or what is destroying us as a nation celebration of materialism without values that's what is destroying us am i right yeah you know i follow the nigerian police force a lot the reason i follow is that i am praying for them you know i know there are one people that christians don't like praying for but i pray for the nigerian police a lot i pray for them and i i i particularly love them no i do i pray for them a lot the robber that they caught in the Owerri bank robbery, the Zenith bank robbery, where did they catch him finally? One of them. At his father's burial. And I think one of the things he was saying, he did that so that he can bury his father. You know how it starts? It starts from you a young man in church who wants to get married you cannot marry within your means you get married and two years you are still paying debts in fact you have just married yet you did not have money to collect the photograph of they have seized them at the, at the photo studio and you are doing thanksgiving that's irresponsibility that's where it starts from the ability to live within your means is a godly attitude. I, I don't know if you, if you understand what I'm saying. Come on, are you following me? We're talking about godly success. The ability to say, no, I cannot afford this. But God is with you. You're a successful person. You're a successful person. That's the truth. Most of us, as children of God, we have eyes for things that are not yet the time for us. We haven't built capacity for them. And those are the things that is making us look like God is not good to us. He is good if we take our life one step at a time. But let's read on. The story did not end there. Let's read on. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had put under his authority. Look at Joseph's journey. So like I said, I mean this is not a teaching against having things. This is a teaching of saying, listen, before those things will come into our lives, you know what's going to happen? We're going to walk in righteousness. We're going to walk in joy. We're going to walk in contentment. You know, yesterday when the rain was falling, the other day we were driving, and when we pass a house that is getting flooded, you know, myself and my wife, we just shout. We just say, oh, Jesus, Jesus. We just react that way. You know why we're reacting that way? The very first house we served, we, we stayed in, when we got married, if it rained, somebody had to stay up. Because my wife had to take water out of the kitchen. Sometimes you're taking water out with millipede. You're taking water out with centipede. That's the kind of house we stayed. That's where we came from. But you know what? We never came out of that house. I was like, hey God, why is my life like this? Now that rain is falling and people are enjoying sleep and bailing water. What kind of life is this? We never said that. You know, thinking back now, we're like, did we really live there? 
You know something? Because at that point in our life, his sufficiency was our sufficiency. When there's a, a realm you will get to in God, you will not even know in quotes that you are poor. You will not know. It will take people to tell you. Because you will not, you will not live it. You will not walk it. You will not talk it. Hallelujah. You will not do so. Because there's only one thing that's giving you an assurance of life. God is with me. God is with me. You're so focused on your relationship with God. And you know sometimes you look back and you're amazed. Oh, look at how far the blessing of God has come over my life. It was not something you consciously pursued. It was not something you consciously pursued. No. You just said the blessing of God coming on your life. Let's look at the testimony of Job. We'll do two more scriptures. Let's go to Job chapter 1. I believe that God is going to raise people in this house that are going to walk in supernatural increase. Glory to God. I said they're going to walk in supernatural increase. Glory to God. And it will not be an issue. Praise God. Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. Let's read it from the Amplified. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. The man was blameless and upright and one who reverently feared God and abstained from and shunned evil because it was wrong. And we know how powerful Job was. But he had these characteristics that he was blameless. He shunned evil. He lived God's word. We must raise a generation in the body of Christ that will reign by righteousness. We must raise a generation in the body of Christ that will prosper by righteousness. You know, it's a thing of shame sometimes. You know, sometimes you, 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 um, you get into uh, a church and then you hear from the pulpits, they're announcing, please keep your phone. Don't leave your bag. It's a thing of shame. And you know how it starts. It starts from when your child comes back home with something that does not belong to him and you never ask who gave you this. That's where it starts. Where you're comfortable picking something that doesn't belong to you and your conscience as a believer does not say return it. It starts from when they send you on an errand, a company errand, and you feel, oh, this company has been cheating me with all the money they have. Look at what they're paying me. And you take the extra money and you inflate figures. That's where it starts. Hallelujah. For instance, we say, oh, Nigeria is corrupt. Nigeria is corrupt. Who is Nigeria? Who is corrupt? It starts from us. Praise God. It starts from us. So if we want to change the nation, we start with ourselves. Hallelujah. We start with being righteous where we are, from our homes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, let's go to Psalm 
chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. And let's read from verse 1. Hallelujah. Are you still here? You're learning something tonight? All right. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. Verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth fruit in its season. Whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he does shall prosper. Remember I defined the word prosper to you. What did I say? Increase. Progress. Forward movement. Look at this man that is being described. I want you to look at the characteristics. Let's read from the Amplified Version. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans, and purpose, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. I want to take that first verse first. Before we go to verse 2. It tells us that this man has a particular way of living. He doesn't follow the plans, the advice, the pursuit of the ungodly. He doesn't live like an ungodly man. It's amazing how many times we allow ungodly influences into our lives. We want to prove to the world that we're successful. Look at this. He does not stand in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. Look at verse 2. But his delight, glory to God, and desire are in the law of the Lord. His delight is not prosperity, his delight is not increase, his delight is in the Lord. If they would ask a lot of us, let me tell you the truth. Most of us, honestly, we don't love the Lord just because we love the Lord. We want God to do something for us. We don't love Him. Can I tell you the reason why? I've been working with young people for a long time. One of the most difficult things to ever get in the body of Christ, I'll tell you this, is to get missionaries to go and start churches in the villages. It's difficult. We've got five mission stations. I've got five missionaries working with us. It's difficult. We don't even... I mean, that's, this is how to tell you how difficult it is. It's even difficult for them to get wives. <laughs> now, when they start the church, our second prayer point is let a godly sister marry them. That's where the problem is. You know why? Hey, who is going to go to the village? Ah, I have suffered in my father's house. I cannot go and suffer again. What about souls they are winning? No, we can win the same souls in Abuja. What will happen to the ones in the village? And God will send somebody. Who is the somebody? 
You know how many people walk up to me right now, come to the office? As a man of God, thank you for coming to this town. You are changing lives. When I was in a dream, so as if we were in partnership to do something. In my mind, I'll just say that partnership. We'll do it in the dream. We'll finish it in the dream. It'll remain in the dream. You know the reason they have started seeing dreams that we are doing partnership is the building. When we are at our former church, God wasn't showing them that we'll do partnership. Now you've got a big building. Now you drive a good car. Now you've got a fancy building. Now God is telling them how we will do partnership. God didn't tell them anything. They just saw external signs. And that's why things like this should never move you. They are just tools for the kingdom. I want to, at the end of this series, I want you to have a heart that is not moved by things. Are you following what I'm saying? I mean, you rejoice, we rejoice. We, do, we will do stuff for God. We will do stuff for God. I'm telling you, there are days that our services will be broadcasted all around the world live. It will happen, but will be very normal. It will not be a sign that we are successful or we are not successful before, because before that happened, we are already following the plan of God for our lives. We will not judge our lives by those things. We will judge the success of our lives by how we are obedient to God. Let's take example. A man like Philip, he preaches, the whole of Samaria comes to God. And you know what? God told him, go to the desert and preach to one man. That, that doesn't look like God calling him. Am I right? God, ah, God will say, plant your headquarters in Samaria. Let's do follow up. And then God sends him to go and preach to the eunuch. Utopian eunuch. This is like the CBN director of the whole of Africa. Wow. Father, I know why you sent me to the eunuch. It's to unlock resources for the kingdom. He finished preaching. You know what God did to him? No time for follow-up. No time for complimentary card. God took him. You know, if that kind of person were to sit by you for counseling, you say, you know where you missed it. You know why you're suffering in ministry. You should have been the apostle over Samaria. Can God lead us to preach to one man and leave a city? If God can trust us to obey his voice, he can lead us that way. See, this thing is about how God is leading us. This thing is about being obedient to God regardless of the cost. And I'll say it here, I'll repeat it again. Sometimes obedience to God will make you lose things in the immediate. But in the long term, it will be profitable. How do I know? Joseph. When he obeyed God, where did he end up? In prison. It doesn't look like a perfect story, right? Like, God, I stood for you. Ah, but I'm in prison. Or do you think we can share that as a testimony? Well, praise the Lord, my name is Joseph Jacob. Ah, I obeyed God, and I'm sharing this testimony from prison. Greet the church for me. They say, no, if you obey God, you'll be a prime minister. You'll not be in prison. But you know how we know that Joseph had the right attitude in prison? He was asking the prisoners, why are you sad? It means that he was not sad. Hello? How 
come. I mean, this guy has all the reasons in the world to be sad. Here was a young man, sold. I mean, you have been sold. Okay, fantastic. I'm serving, I'm doing my best until they promoted me. Fantastic. You are not the one running after the madam. The madam was running after you. You stood for God. Fantastic. I mean, God should have connected you back to your father. You ended up in prison. But you know what? That was a pathway to the throne. You know, the way most of us plot our lives, there are no challenges. You know, by the time I finish school, I'll just go to meet my uncle Potakot. By the time I meet my uncle Potakot, my uncle just give me two million. I'll just start that business. By the time I start that business, I'll just marry. By the time I marry, if they leave you, even mosquitoes will not bite you. You already have it planned out. Can you trust your future to God? Allow God sort it out. Make up your mind to obey God every day that you get up. God, I'm going to obey you today. I get up on Thursday, I'll obey you. I get up on Friday, I'll obey you. Constant obedience to God is what we define as success. Look at this man. Psalm 1-2. His delights and desire are in the law of the Lord. And on his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God amplify. He habitually meditates, ponders, and studies day and night. I want us to, 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 to pause there. It says he habitually meditates on the word. He ponders on the word. He studies on the word. Daily, day and night. Have, when last did you study God's word? I'm not saying you read the Bible. You studied the word. When last, the word meditate there is the word Hagar. It means to imagine. It means to meditate, to mutter, to speak, to study. Look at Psalm 63, verse 6. Let's do three more scriptures. Have you guys closed for the day? These guys are wonderful. Psalm 63 verse 6. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on, are you there? Okay. Psalm 63 and verse 6. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. What do you think about when you sleep? Oh, what's your life like this? No. David says, I think about you. I meditate about you. How many of you have thought about the Lord until you are so overwhelmed by His love? Let me tell you this. Genuinely love God. As a young person, genuinely serve God. If there's something that has helped me, is that I love Him. I love His work. I don't talk about anything. I talk the gospel. How we can reach more people. How we can write more books. I don't talk about anything. I don't talk about anything. In fact, <laughs> there was a day where I thank God that God doesn't answer all the prayers we pray. When I was coming up, there was a day I prayed. I said, God, if I can just pay my house rent, let my wife live a good life, and let my children go to school, I'm fine. Just send me anywhere. It's like saying, I can take all the punishments, but let them just be fine. Just send me anywhere. Just send me anywhere. 
I meditate on him. Are you conscious of how the gospel needs to reach more people? Are you, when you walk through your streets and you see people without the gospel, are you thinking of them? In quote, even the money you want to have, what do you want to use it for? Ah, by the time God bless me like this, then I will go to the village. When I go to the village, they will know that the son of the soil, somebody who is born again, is calling himself son of the soil, that the son of the soil has arrived. Who are you trying to impress? No, those are our motivations. Let's be honest. Those are our motivations. But you know, a man called Barnabas, the Bible says that having lands, sold it and brought it to the apostles' feet. Why will Barnabas do that? Barnabas has heard the message and he said many more needs to hear this. I'll tell you this. The reason for our success is to advance the kingdom of God. Nothing else. Nothing else. God will bless you. Or he has blessed you already. You take care of your family. You take care of your children. Then what else? What next? What next? How many missionaries will thank God because of you? How many people will hear the gospel because of you? This should be our driving force. Spreading the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Psalm 35 verse 28. Quickly. Psalm 35 verse 28. Look at this. 35 28. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Psalm 35 verse 28. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness. And of thy praise all day long. It means that the man who wants to succeed in God must talk God's word all the time. Must talk God's word all the time. When you read a news about the nation and things are going bad, you don't start insulting people. You speak God's word. All day, you declare the word. This nation is rising. This nation is growing. Righteousness is being instilled in this nation. God is raising up righteous leaders. Don't ah, we are finished. This country, let it divide. Let everybody go. You know, let people make callous statements. You know why you are saying it should divide? You don't have a house. You don't have property anywhere. So if war starts, the difference between the fact that there's no war now and there's war is just that you die quickly. So you don't have anything at stake. You're not even thinking of the souls that will be lost in such crisis. You're not thinking of homeless people that will come out in such crisis. You're not a believer. You're not a believer. You're not born again. I can tell you that. Or you're born again, you're a carnal believer. Don't make callous statements. Look at it. My tongue shall speak of your righteousness. Let's do one more scripture. Psalms, um, Proverbs chapter 8 verse 7. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 7. Don't say that. The Bible says let's pray for authorities so that we'll live in peace. A believer, you might have your political affiliations, but in the place of prayer, you are neutral. You are a child of God. You are not a PDP man going to prayer. Neither are you an APC man going to prayer. Are you following what I'm saying? When you stand to intercede for the nation, you're not conscious of your ethnicity. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 7. I've trained myself 
growing up, receiving the truths of this message, I've trained myself not to think of people by their ethnicity. You know, sometimes some people have called me to ask about leaders in my church, and they say, Where is this person from? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, where's this person from? Where's this person? I'm thinking, I'm thinking. You know why? Because I never relate to them based on where they are from. You know what Jesus said when his mothers came to look for him? He was preaching. His mother has told the ushers, like Tony, say, go and call him, tell him his mother and father is here. Hey, hey, hey guy, he's preaching. He said, come, my friend, come. Tell, tell him his mother, the one that carried him for nine months. You know, when your mothers want to intimidate you, they start telling you, your own labor pains was, was stronger than the other children, just to make sure you know how you suffer them. And then Jesus says, who are my brothers? He says, those that hear and do the word. How many of us can look at people who are obeying God's word that are close to us and say, hey, come on, this is my brother. Most of us, even as Christians, we are so ethnocentric. We still think of people by tribes. We still relate to people by tribes. You see someone in church who is serving God. He says, oh, this person is not from my tribe. He cannot do this. You know, all these, all these people, you relate to people, but you are not genuinely born again. Someone walked to my office the other day, probably from my area. He said, when I saw your son name, I saw that you're my brother. I said, how? So, now, you just show up. You show up now, and you say you're my brother, right? And because you're my brother, because you came from the same place, you want me to give you all the privileges that I can give to anybody else. Maybe if I have influence over something. That would be wickedness. You know why that would be wickedness? What about the people who labored, who showed up when there was nobody? Who started the ministry when nobody was there? Who showed up when there was no sound system? And they labored until we've come here. And then you want to play the ethnic card. It will be foolishness on my part. You are no more my brother than those who showed up from day one and say, I believe in what God has called you to, to, to preach and teach. The Bible says we know no man after the flesh. We are one body in Christ. Are you following what I'm saying? Your village is not important. We are one new man in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 7. For my mouth shall speak truth. And wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Verse 8. Verse 8. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing forward or perverse in them. Um, let's read the Amplified Version. This is where I want to end tonight. All the words from my mouth, they are righteous. That means I speak only the things that are true. And what things are true? The Word of God. You must make sure that your conversation is based on the word for my mouth shall utter truth and rob doing is detestable and loathsome to my lips verse 8 all the words of my mouth are righteous look at it upright and in right standing with god there is nothing contrary to the truth or crooked in them you cannot succeed if you speak contrary to god's word all the time and you know, after this verse, in, in, in Psalm chapter 1 verse 2, in verse 3, he says, Whatsoever he does shall prosper. You cannot keep causing the land, speaking bad about the nation, speaking bad about your job, 
and you expect to prosper. I tell people, never insult or curse the place you are working. Are you following what I'm saying? Never curse where you're working. Bless it. Look at what the Bible says. That in Babylon, in Egypt, Joseph prospered. Everything he was doing, even in prison, he prospered. Speak right words over where you're working. Over that company, speak over it. Pray over that company. You know, sometimes in my prayer times, I pray for the company on this island. I pray that the Lord will bless them. That the Lord will increase them. That the Lord will give them more capacity. You know the reason why? Because the more they have capacity, the more they are blessed, the more they are increased, the more they can take people, the more they can employ people, the more they can be a blessing to to people. Are you following what I'm saying? Learn to speak the right words. You are staying on this island and every day you keep saying there are no opportunities, there are no opportunities, there are no opportunities. Go where there are opportunities. Is anybody telling you now? No, I don't say that. I say this island is blessed. This island is prosperous. This island is protected. That's what God expects us to say. Are you following what I'm saying? I don't say, oh, people don't come to church. I say, no, they are hungry for the word. They are willing to hear the word. There is nothing that is contrary to the truth in my mouth i want you to take this challenge home learn to say the right words you look at something it is obvious that this is going wrong but you learn to say the right words i was telling them in the film church there's something my wife always says that i love when things are just going maybe let's say for instance the tire of the car is bad we need to change it you know my first response is oh well, now we need to change this tire i'm thinking about the money you know the first word that will come out of our mouth? All things work together for our good. That's how to speak. All things are working together for our good. I know this is going to turn out for our good. Now, keeping the word in your mouth. Keeping the word in your mouth. Are you following what I'm saying? I know this will turn out for your good, for my good. I know God is working out something for me. I know God is going to empower me to overcome this situation. Speaking the truth. Hallelujah. Glory to the name of the Father. Let's thank the Lord tonight. Let's say, Father, we thank you. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 805 888 God bless you.